BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome, one and all, to Knife Talk, the podcast for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker, a collector, or you just got a strange fascination with sharp, pointy things. Here every week, uh, it's myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. How are you guys? Doing good. Stressed. Okay, let's br- let's bring up let's bring up the en- let's bring up the energy levels before a bit. Come on, stri- before how your voice sounds like you've been through it a little what's, bit. Yes, and we 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 covered for you last week. You did. What's yes. been up with Craig Lock? Everybody wants to know. Okay, what's been up um, with Craig Lockwood? Well, I was in. I've been since we last spoke. I've been in Spain on a little holiday, then to the UK. Um, where I'd, I'd put on a gig. It wasn't me playing, but just put this gig on. Um, missed my flight back to France the next day. There was oh. there was tequila involved. There was oh, my bag heading to the other side of the country in the back of the band's van. Um, oh, yeah, it was it was a lot a lot of trouble. Um, but yeah, and now I'm back, and um, yeah, my voice is is buggered because we've been my band we've been rehearsing um, for a quite a big festival we're playing on Saturday. And um, two days ago, I had a call from our drummer saying, I can't play. I've just split open my foot. And it was like, oh, jeez. Oh, shit. Yeah. And this is, this is for us, this is the gig. It's, it's 27,000 people. It's, it's a big one for us. And um, we're like, oh, jeez. So we managed to find a new drummer, which is why we've been rehearsing all day with our new drummer. Um, hence my throat being a bit, uh, a bit Barry White this morning, or this afternoon, rather. 
Um, but no, it's all good. I'm I'm busy, but I can't complain. You know, none of it's horrible stuff. It's all good stuff. I'm not working down a mine. You know, it's all good. Can I ask you a question? Go for when it. When you say the drummer split his foot open, you must elaborate. Oh, 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 yeah. You, basically, you open the fridge and a glass bottle fell. And oh. you do that thing you do when something falls, put your foot out. Um, he was barefoot. And oh, the, the top of his, literally the top of his foot, he's got stitches going right at the top. And... Um, He's pretty sure he's broken bones as well, but he's only stitched up. But um, there's no way he could play drums, no way in the world. Jeez. Um, yeah, and it was just like, oh, of all, the, you know, the timing. This is our last gig for the summer, basically, because the other guys go off on holiday. And, you know, it's a big festival, and we've been excited all year for this. And it was just like, oh, man, oh, man. But we've got a new drummer, and, he, and, he's, and he's cool. So, yeah, he's just learning the songs now, so it's all good. God. You and I drummers. Know. I know. Oh, I yeah, that's <laughs> Tell right. me about it. Yeah, yeah. Drummers yeah. and plasma cutters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Tim. Old school. That's all. Deep cut right there. Oh, it is. Jeez. Yeah. But no, like I said, I'm not working on a mind. You know, the, I I could be in a far worse state. So I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just tired. If If but, you were to pick the worst person to have to replace in a band, who would it be? Instrument wise. Instrument wise. Um. Probably the other guitarist. Okay. Um, simply because there's a lot of parts he'd need to, you know, a new other guitar. There's lots of gu- guitars out there, so we'd be able to find one easy enough. But having, you know, three days to learn the part would be difficult, yeah. Wow. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and but, and I guess that's where drummers kind of lend themselves a little bit easier to replace, because especially if they're talented, they can kind of improvise and fill in, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, a lot of drummers are in multiple bands as well, because, they're, you know, they're sought after. Um, I got you. And, yeah, it's you don't have to learn the parts as much, you know, you, you learn the intros and the endings and the rest, you just sort of, it's feel, I suppose, you know? Mm. Yeah. And how'd you get uh, torn up with some tequila? I thought you were not a brown liquor man. I'm not. I hate tequila. I hate tequila. What happened? It's the silver so, stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, one of my favorite bands ever from the nineties called the Seahorses. Um, I booked the guys from the Seahorses to play a gig in Cardiff. Um, sort of promoted it and sold the tickets and all the rest of it. So we, so we had this gig. And um, afterwards, um, we were back at the hotel having a few drinks. And um, he's like, let's get tequilas. And I'm like, I don't, no, I, I don't like tequilas. And he did that classic thing of, ah, you haven't had a good tequila then. Oh, and I was like, all oh, right. God. So we li- he bought seven different tequilas and lined them oh, up. Oh, my God. And he said, we're going to drink we're seven each. We're going to drink these. And you've got to put them in order, which you think is the most expensive, which is the least. And I was, I was just a mess, a complete mess. I got a phone call then about five in the morning saying, um, we've picked up your bag and it's now the other side of the UK. And I was flying. I was flying the next morning, see. And I was like, well, there's no way I can get my bag back in time and my passport and everything else in it. Oh, my God. So it was just like, oh, geez. So I had to, I had to get the, the flight the day after, after like a six-hour drive to go and get, oh, oh nobody needs to hear this. But uh, yeah, it was... It that's was stressful. That's your stressful. move. That's the Lockwood move, though. There's something <laughs> up with the passport, and then you got to go six or seven hours out of your way. It is the move, yeah. That's yeah. the Lockwood that's, shuffle. It was, it was a rock and roll weekend, we could say. Yeah, <laughs> I had a, uh, years ago, I lived in this apartment. Before my daughter was born, we lived in this apartment, and one of our friends was uh, worked for Johnny Walker. He was a brand ambassador for Johnny mm. Walker. And he invited me up to his apartment. He's like, "Oh, you know, if you do, what do you know about single malts?" I'm like, "Oh, my dad used to drink Doors, and I don't, know, I don't really like Scotch." He's like, "Well, that's because you haven't had the right Scotch." Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm the brand ambassador to Johnny Walker. Let me give you a tour of. 
we drank so much goddamn single malt. I was, I've never been as drunk as in my life. Yeah. And I rolled down <laughs> to the apartment. I, I don't know how I even got into the apartment. And I slept until four o'clock the next day. And Hillary was like <laughs> sitting at the couch. Cause I was on the couch. I didn't even mm. make it to the bed. She sat on the couch next to me and she says, if this is the way it's going to be, we're going to have a long conversation. I was like, this is never going to be the way it's going to be. If this is the new you. This is <laughs> definitely not the new me. This is not, this is not the old me. This is not the new me. This is, like I, oh, this is a wormhole situation. I don't know what the hell happened. It's yeah. never going to happen again. And she'll was never let me forget about it. Was that before or after you guys were married? After, after that I was after you. we were married. Like and, just uh, after or no? After no, we've been together. I mean, we've been together for fucking almost thirty years. No, she'd been with me for a long time. But and that was abnormal. Like I don't, I just don't get drunk. And and yeah. that was like. That was a problematic, but I've been that in that situation where you just go, oh, well, you don't, you just don't know. And all of a sudden it's just like, next thing you know, it's like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> exactly. I was sort of drunk enough to make the bad decision. Okay, let's do it then. You know, you know, so I'd pass that point of no return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, who, the, uh, who the hell cares? I got to go, I got to work in the, in the next two hours. Have the yeah. hell with it. I'll be okay. It's not as if I've got a flight in a few hours. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. take my bag halfway across the UK? Go ahead. What do I care? <laughs> Yeah, Ugh. looking back, it's all fun and games. But the, yeah, the next day it was just bad head, oh. not being able to get back to you know back to France where you know my my family are. And oh, blah, blah, blah. anyway, anyway, rock and roll, Craig, rock and again. roll, Craig, Morocco. What's been going on? I haven't spoken to you in a couple of weeks. The kid's birthday is tomorrow, so tomorrow we, well, we've actually been camping. Um, oh, nice. I guess we only we got there last night, and we're gonna stay again tonight, and then our last. I guess days tomorrow and then we'll come home tomorrow evening. Um, we have this really great state park near us. It's like maybe 10, 15 minutes from us. And, um, they got a beautiful lake and tons of camping and hiking and, 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 uh, yeah, it's a great place that we just started going to actually last year. I grew up going to this park when I was a kid, but I hadn't been back in like 25 years. Mm. Um, and so it's really nice. Um, but part of what's going on right now, it's been so dry. It's probably rained, really rained maybe once this summer. And so things are starting to get pretty dry. And so we can't have any fires. We can do, um, like little barbecues and grills that are like a self-contained unit, but they're, they're, they have, while they have fire rings and stuff like that, they're not letting people build fires. Mm. And, um, almost turned into a Karen last night because me and, what is it? Me and my sister were driving out. We had to make a late night run for some ice and some other, I don't know, stuff for around Wait the there. campsite. You, you say you're camping. I, I'm imagining like alone, you know, where you're just in the middle of nowhere. But you're going out for ice. You've got your podcasting equipment with you. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm back at the house. Like I said, oh, I'm only like 15 <laughs> minutes from the house. So I'm I back see. at the okay. house okay. recording the podcast right now. Got you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, this fucking ding dong is burning a fire that's like three four feet the flames are licking up three four feet tall and it's just people's entitlement is really starting to drive me fucking crazy because it's very clearly like there's signage all over the place and all the fire rings there are signs that say no campfires high fire risk and these fucking idiots are building a fire because they think they're too good for the rules and it's like you know for most of the time nothing's gonna happen but when something happened it's usually an idiot like that who thinks they're too fucking good for the rules that make a fucking mistake and there's hundreds hundreds of people at this campground and and hundreds of like giant trees and it's all dry undergrowth underneath all of them 
And it's like, you know how quickly you can light all of us up just because you think you're too good for the fucking roles, you fucking yeah. piece of shit. So, anyway, so what was so, your what was your move? How did you confront them? What did I you didn't say? confront them, but uh, sometimes did you have a, did you have a word with manager? No, 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 no. I didn't say a fucking thing. I I went to bed that night thinking, yeah, this could be it. Some fucking dumbass down the road is gonna light the whole campfire ground on fire, and we're gonna be fucked. Oh, uh so anyway, no uh so anyways uh but yeah otherwise <laughs> hanging out with the family for the kid's birthday is gonna be good uh and how old is the little one now he'll be turning seven tomorrow wow. and he just yeah. lost a tooth this morning and oh, i actually really? think he ate it he oh. <laughs> this tooth <laughs> his tooth has been just dangling in his mouth it's like his front center uh like left center tooth mm. or at the top top center left um and it's just been dangling there. Like, it's not even connected really anymore, except for, like, one little bit that's maybe connected to the gums or something. And yeah. he's just, like, is terrified to pull the tooth out. And um, we tried, like, a couple times. And we're not forcing him. Like, every time he's been like, Daddy or Mommy, can you help me pull it out? And the tooth is slipping. And we're not just – we haven't been able to get a good hold or to pull it out really well. And, and it's just been dangling there. And then this morning he's eating breakfast and he's laughing and all of a sudden his, he's like, my tooth's gone. And then like, we're looking all over the dirty ass ground and everything. <laughs> we can't fight it. I'm like, he fucking ate that thing. I told him he was, <laughs> I told him he was going to eat it. And yeah. So no, no luck for finding that thing. I'm pretty confident he ate It'll it. It'll be back out soon. Don't worry. Well, you're not going to look for it after. No. <laughs> Fuck no. Please, Too fair can have that shit. Anyways. <laughs> this is shitting in a sieve for the next week. <laughs> the tooth fairy isn't going to give you anything because she's got too much work to do. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. not going to yes. sift through that. So anyways. Yeah, just doing that stuff i got a, a knife out in the newsletter recently that was good uh my class that i'm i'm teaching at the end of september here in washington's basically full we got i think two the last two people are signing up um there's still room over at the class at zach jonas's from the 13th to the 15th of october so if anybody's interested go hit up zach z-a-c-k at jonas blade.com um it's gonna be a great time uh the class is is uh, what is it? It's decoding mosaic Damascus. My brain's like half alive right now. Uh, we didn't get good sleep last night. Anyways, the class is going to be just like trying to figure out how, or me explaining as best as I can, how I think about Damascus and how to recognize patterns and reverse engineer them, how to plan them, how to use math and stuff for all these different abnormal billet layups I, I create. And so, um, yeah, basically cool. your chance to come hang out and pick my brain for three days straight. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's what that's what we got going on. Mostly kid birthday stuff. That's yeah, nice. All good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Jeffrey, what's been happening in Jeff World? Oh, well, Jeff World is uh, Jeff World is is dealing is I'm having to deal with things out of my control. I'm I'm really in this position, and it's been happening for over a couple of years between my mother and everything else. And I'm hoping for a little stability because mm. we're two weeks away from bringing my daughter to college and we're kind of doing all the things that she wants to do before she leaves and it's like stressful. And and then I end up, two friends of mine are moving and opening restaurants at the same time and they're asking for help. And I made a couple railings for one guy and then this other friend of mine is is frantically trying to get stuff done for her countertops and then the welder's not doing a good thing so she's dragging on sinks to my shop to fix and all this stuff and and she's trying to she's trying to make conversation but this is something that she does she 
Well, she'll just try to make small talk, and she goes, so, so how are you feeling now that your daughter's going to co- away for college so far away? And I'll, I'll answer. Well, I don't really want to talk about it, but I'll answer like, well, you know, we're sad, but at the same time. And then she'll interrupt and say, well, I've been there before, and <laughs> you'll get over it, and this is what she wanted to do. And I wanted to just turn on like, asshole. I know. I don't need... She brought the conversation up just to lecture me. And it was like, she's done this to me now three times. The next time, I'm going to stop her and say, I don't, I don't need to be... This is like some alpha shit that this person is just trying to do to me. And it annoy, it's very annoying. So I'm like, I didn't really want to talk about it with you. I, everything's fine. I, get, I said, I answered your question. And then you just wanted to lecture me. And I was just like, I'm not... The lecture game is over. I don't need. I don't need to be lectured anymore. So that was that. And then we had a, that happened a couple. That's been happening a lot lately. Of like people bringing up. So what are you gonna do? It's okay. It'll be okay. It's like fuck you. Don't bring it up and then lecture me. So hmm. there's a lot of that, which is annoying as shit. It's like one of the things, and it's funny because people seem to think when you bring up a topic or something that you're there, they think that you're bringing it up to them for you to solve the problem. Sometimes here's a piece of marriage advice: when you when your significant other brings something up, it she's not she or he is not asking you to fix the problem. She just wants to, they want to just tell you how it is, and then you're just as fucking say, hmm, that must be hard, and that's all you have to right. say. <laughs> that's all you have to say. You're not they're not looking for I'm your still dumbass. learning that lesson, yeah, dude. You, dude, don't. <laughs> when my wife told me years ago, she used to say something. Yeah, this happened to me. Worked and I started saying, well, you know, and she's like, ah. I'm not asking you to fix my problems. I'm just telling you because I'm getting it out, getting it out in the world. I know what the fuck to do. And in this like world mm. of like Instagram and Gary V. Juniors, we're all you know we all think why well, you're saying it to answer the question. Don't don't answer the question. Just say, huh? Must be hard. That's all you have to do. So yeah. there's that. And then we're hauling ass. Uh, we're starting to pick back up, which is nice. We had a good couple, good week and a half of uh, business with the. Uh, newsletters and i'm learning a little bit more about with fucking instagram and it's still annoying the shit out of me it's they're, they're changing the <laughs> rules as they go along and i'm trying different types of reels and i can see who's what's being seen by non-followers and what's not being seen by non-followers and i'm really like canvassing the situation and i'm just like having to just say okay well i'm gonna be like one of these i was talking to riley kirkpatrick and he said hey you know the the company yeti that sells the uh coolers they don't ever put a cooler in the goddamn advertisement and i'm like i'm getting to the point where it's just like i might not even put knives in the fucking advertisement in the in the reels anymore just because like instagram is like definitely suppressing anything that's like super duper knifey suppressing is in like not giving it out to not putting it out to like non followers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's just a bitter pill that I'm trying to swallow. You gotcha. Mm. But you know. Mm. Those skeletonized knives look good. Yeah, I did a, I did mm. uh I did one years ago and the funny thing was was I just didn't like the way it looked. The original one like six years ago. Mm. And then I've been fooling around with trying to have something online that's a little bit more. I'm fighting with I'm fighting with my the back office in terms of like pricing and maybe we should be offering something a little bit less and what can we do and how can we fix something else. So I kind of reinvestigated this kind of what is a skeletonized knife? Is it something that you're just not putting scales on or how are we dealing with the holes and what what is it going to be? So I I kind of reinvestigated it and. I'm sending off a design to uh, Waterjet to see what we can do, and then 
it there are a lot of options and one of the options is i wanted to really make the holes not about like these holes are meant for rivets these holes are mm. kind of part of the design as opposed to like a lot of skeletonized people and you know no offense but you know it looks like an afterthought sometimes so i'm just trying to like think about it and it came out great i just heat treated it and uh we're gonna try to do something different and it'll, it'll also allow me to kind of make other things with it so yeah technical yeah. question for you there then please what's your thoughts on cleaning up the inside of, of the you know the inside of the skeleton if you like well the one is, that is, is, i is did that just getting a dremel in there what, what will you be doing the one that i did i mean back in the day we used to, when i was working in the fabrication shop we would have to like cut out for to for door bucks for locks and stuff like that so like mm. cutting that stuff out is like i, I kind of get it it sucks um i've been really fooling around with a wire brush a lot because i'm trying to cut the cut the corners a little bit and then also just trying to create a different pattern and the wire wheel the big wire wheel on like a right angle grinder is giving me kind of more of a matte finish uh on that but i when i did this the the one i posted i used just a hand file i i i cut it out with you know pop some holes and then i use the Dremel to kind of connect the holes to cut them out. And then I use the hand file to cut the, you know, file out the webbing and stuff like that. And I don't know. Oh, I'm tr- oh sorry. So that, so, so you're not getting them water jet cut, the, the skeletonized oh, bits. Oh, well, I just meant the actual finishing once they had been water jet. cut. Oh, when they water jet cut, I'm going to have to figure something out. I, yeah. I'm going to probably, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I like, I'm probably going to use 440 C just because the mill scale is so great. And I have just good experience with it. And, but I, I don't know. I got to break the corners with something. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to figure out. I haven't figured that out yet. Okay. So okay. maybe cool. Tumblr. Who knows? I got a. I got a question for you guys. Sure. Or do we need to do a, a sponsor read real quick? Well, it's probably a good time to talk about KnifePrint.com. If we're talking about water jet cutting. Oh, that's why you fucking des- set me up. Okay, I got you. No, not no, no, <laughs> right, not okay. at all. Sorry. Um, and if you're, you know, <laughs> if you're you designing maybe uh, <laughs> uh, new models or changing models, that kind of thing. Um, 2D CAD is what you want to be doing. Keep it super, super simple. And KnifePrint.com is exactly that. It's CAD in the browser, so computer-aided design in the browser, no software to download. It's great. No licensing issues, none none of that stuff. Um, And there's special tools within the CAD system there as well, specific for knives as well. So it's really cool, but what I really love about it is that if if you're doing like like a Jeff has done and you want want to let water jet cut some out, they can do that for you. So you literally hit print, Tell the stock that you want, the size, um, and they then have your design, which they'll just watch yet cut and send it in the post. Um, it's really cool. Knifeprint.com. Take a look. Um, and even if you're not going to get the water jet cut, if you just want to use it for the design element, it's 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 very, very good. Knifeprint.com. I should have used that. should have tried it out. Yeah, yeah. And I think particularly if you're doing sort of one-offs, that kind of thing as well, um, because it just, yeah, it, they just make it easy. Make it easy. And nice. if you want to tweak your design, it's saved there as well. So you can just, you know, you just go in and make a yeah. slight amendment to it or, you know, duplicate it and then change one. And, you you know, yeah, it's, it's good. You mean it's I can't good. just get on the phone with someone and say, hey, change this. That's what I normally do. <laughs> no. Okay. No. It's a bit of mouse shaking going on. Nice. Rekha, you were going to ask a question. Yeah. I gotta, so you talking about your daughter, get, or, you know, you guys are getting ready to take your daughter out to school in a couple of weeks and you guys are doing some last things before you leave. I'm sure you're like hitting up favorite food spots or favorite walks or whatever stuff like that while you're in the, while she's still on this side or your side of the country. I I have a buddy who's getting ready to have a kid at the beginning of the year. 
And I've actually been thinking about trying to connect with him and do the same thing. Be like, dude, what are some, you know, kids are an awesome blessing. They're challenging, uh, but they're awesome. Um, but they also like life really changes in a big way um, when you invite or, you know, uh, introduce a kid into the mix of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious. Well, and I've been trying to think of what he i need. i mean i need to talk to him about what he might want to go do if it's like a fishing trip or if he wants to do i don't know things that are going to be ch- more challenging to try to do once you have a kid especially a young kid you know obviously when you get to a certain age then things get a little bit easier you can bring the kids along and stuff like that for the first few years it's going to be pretty limiting and i'm curious what are some things that you guys um you know before your kid got or you know kids were in in the picture what are some last things that, um, not last things, but I guess some things that you guys. Is this like a bachelor weekend? Yeah, this is not even a, like, no, not, yeah. I'm not even talking about going to strip clubs or bars or anything. I'm talking about fucking go, going to a concert, going to like whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever kind of events or, if, you know, going down to Aruba or whatever, you know, Jeff, like you guys' family goes down there. Anyways, yeah. uh, just like something like that just before, because it's going to probably possibly be, you know, three, four or five years and we've traveled a bunch with a bunch of with our kid but it wasn't necessarily it's, always awesome. it's different it's, so it's last chance different. for glory what do you yeah, do before the kid pops out exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, yes there you go yeah. there you go well i mean my wife and i recently we, we've just been away for a few days since the first time since, since we've had kids you know we go away with the kids but it's a very different experience for sure um so it was lovely just the, the two of us and we didn't have to worry about them we knew they're in safe hands um and that was it was just i don't know we just felt like teenagers again you know and it was it was it was just really nice so so we vowed to do that every 3 months at least take a weekend oh, nice. away the two the two of us um uh, yeah and it's amazing how we hadn't done it until now when you think you know the girls are four right. um and it was that thing it was like when the girls are slightly older things will get easier but then buddy come along we start the whole process again but this time it's a little bit harder because the three of them this time and it's yeah so it's easy to just to forget about taking sort of time out for yourselves i think as, as a couple um but what, i don't think he'll be want to be spooning with you in a, in a hotel anywhere Morocco, so i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> yeah can you think uh, of anything jeff oh i mean it's a different situation because when i mean Hillary and I have been together. I mean, we were to, before our daughter was born. We were together for six, like twelve years before our daughter mm-hmm. was born, and True. it was like, and we had traveled together, and we we were we had you know from when we were like twenty till we were thirty, thirty whatever, or eighteen to thirty. We we did everything we wanted to do, and okay, when Lila was on the way, I mean, it was just like we didn't really feel. I mean, I think. Wanted to get as many movies in as possible and get enough sleep as possible, and that was pretty much the only thing. But I don't, I don't think I could think of. Um, I mean, I I like going fishing when I fished, but I don't, I can't, I don't have anything. I mean, take the kids, take the guy skydiving, you know, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I used to before I I had our kid, I used to go sailing all the time, and the the sail the the team I would sail with. Every once in a while, there would be larger races up north of like Seattle and stuff like that. And I never got to go or I never like took the time away to do that and go on one of those trips with those guys. And and they actually just got back from doing another one. And it's usually whatever. It's like a week, week and a half long trip. 
And, um, that's something I'm like, man, I wish I had done that before, <laughs> before when I had kind of like a little bit more freedom and flexibility to do that. I guess that's what, what's uh, something you would do when you have, yeah. uh, before you kind of lose a little bit of that freedom, time, freedom of time and, and flexibility, disposable, disposable income. And disposable income yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but anyways, I don't know. That was I it. don't know. I, I, I travel probably. I can't think of anything offhand i mean probably would have liked to go on fishing trips and stuff like that but i can't think of anything i was too keyed up i was too keyed yeah. up when the, my daughter was on the way even i, no, mean, it's not, I mean that's what it one, sounds like you, you guys know, were ready so. yeah, yeah i mean you know <laughs> the weird thing is and it was some of the questions we can get to are really kind of age related like in regards to where you are in your life so oh right mm. okay you know okay well first of all let's tell everybody about these guys first then and we move on to some questions knife talk is sponsored by even heat the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. That was Life Talk before Knife Talk. There you go. What Life Talk? Wow, yeah. It's 28 minutes in. Jeez. Okay, Jonathan Spencer has sent us a message on Instagram. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Um, if you've got a question for us, um, it doesn't need to be a question even. Whether you've got a funny joke, whatever it may be, send it to a Knife Talk Podcast and we'll add it to the list of, the list of crap we've got to read out. And <laughs> we'll get to it soon. But anyway, Jonathan has done that. Hello, my name is Jonathan. Um, I was wondering if you were able to restart your knife-making journey, would you do it exactly the same or do it differently? Kind hmm. of like a nice dovetail into Mareko's question. It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll Let's start with Mareko. Yeah, yeah, I'll start it out. Uh, yeah. I was, I was, I think the way I started out was good. Um, so I started by working for a maker, um, but at the time, I don't know. My time working for Bob Kramer, it for me, it was kind of a job. It wasn't really like it wasn't me seeking out this path of becoming a custom knife maker. It was just another job. It wasn't until. Um, after my time with Bob and after pursuing culinary arts and coming back to knife making that it was like that at that point is when it became kind of my path. And that was, I was trying to pursue becoming a custom knife maker and that was in 2012. And so I got started, I was making knives out of somebody else's shop. Um, and, and I was fortunate to con connect with, uh, a, a well, well-known and highly reputable, um, purveyor, uh, Daniel O'Malley over at, um, Epicurean edge in Seattle. And so my work was selling through there. And then as soon as I could, I started taking custom orders and, <clears throat> and I think the idea, because when you sell through a purveyor, the purveyor buys at a discount so that they have a margin to work with so that when they sell the knife, they make a little bit of money off of that sale. Um, and so, um, I wish that I hadn't j jumped into custom orders as quickly as I had, because I felt like at the time I felt like I was getting screwed, not necessarily screwed, but it's just like, I could make more money if I was selling directly, which you can, but then you also have to take on the responsibility of which Jeff and his team do great, which is like managing the customer's expectations, uh, interacting and communicating with them, taking taking the custom order and stuff like that. And, and I really struggled with that for a long time. And honestly, I should have transitioned. Um, and I, and I think at a, at a point, like that's how I had, that's how I had to operate. I guess I probably still could have gone through the purveyor, but I think I, I, 
I wish I would have done customs for a shorter period of time. I did customs for like eight years, taking custom orders and trying to manage customers and all that stuff. And it was really stressful, at least for me personally. I really struggled with it, and it was really in- intensely stressful for me. And as soon as I possibly could, once I've essentially built up enough reputation and demand for my work, I should have then transitioned into kind of a newsletter model or then I'm not necessarily taking as much, if any, custom orders. From then that point forward, I would build knives and then send it out to a newsletter. I love what the guys, I, I refer to them often, but over at Bloodroot Blades, uh, you know, uh, they're, it's a two-man team. I think at least last I knew them, they might have a couple other bodies in there helping with grinding blades or hand sanding and stuff like that. But um they blast out a bunch of knives. They send out a newsletter. Um, and then boom, like all of their knives are sold. Like 30, 40 knives are sold in an 18 hour period. It's amazing. It's awesome. But they've done a good job of making that model work for them, I guess, or developing an approach to using that newsletter model. I, I don't think I would be producing at that quantity, but still, having a, a little bit less of kind of like the, the custom stress where it doesn't matter what the blade pattern looks like. It doesn't matter what length the blade is, the profile, the handling, none of that stuff matters. I'm just putting stuff out there and people are interested enough in it that they buy it. And I wish I had transitioned to that a long time ago. Um, like well before, like probably around the time I did Forge and Fire in 2015 would have probably been a good idea to transition to that model. But I, I think my problem too is that I let, even though I had the demand and, a rep, and I was building a reputation and more and more people were interested in my work, um, I really lacked self-confidence in the way that I couldn't run a model. And I think that's, a, that's the hard part about doing it is like you really have to have a, a a, a solid either business model designed around working with the newsletter or a lot of self-confidence or both to make that comfortable for you to work in. And I really, I lacked that self-confidence to feel, to, to feel like, you know, if I put out four knives in a newsletter that all of them are going to sell. And, and so I, I really ha- had a hard time letting go of the custom orders because that was like, these people are all sure things. The, yep. They've emailed me. Yeah, yeah. They said they yeah. want the stuff. While the, the newsletter is like, who the fuck knows if anybody's going to buy that's any of those right. knives. That's right. And that's, but I finally, <laughs> it's taken me a long time, but I've finally gotten to the point um, where I'm confident in doing that. But it's taken 10 years hmm. for me to get to that point. Okay. I know you got to think also, I think when you talk about, you know, 2015, you'd wish you'd gone to a newsletter model then. Were they as popular as they are now? You know, do, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it only seems the last sort of three or four years you're hearing people being, you know, making successful businesses out of that. But um, you never know. There's slow times. I talked to some pretty mm. famous guys who make really great knives and they're very famous and they tell me when they're slow and yeah. when you're yeah. slow you're you know it doesn't matter your reputation slow is slow sure yeah. so it's uh, you know I, I don't necessarily you know i you know you ne- everybody isn't montana knife company you know no. so it's 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 who you know whatever but uh, yeah well i guess i i wish i had well and i think probably what would have been good for me is a mixture of doing the newsletter and and 
pushing knives over to purveyors like Abe over at Eating Tools or Dan at Epicurean Edge or all these various other purveyors around the country. Um, and then that would have still allowed me the flexibility to make what I want to make, not from an egotistical position, but from the me trying to properly manage my mental health and stress. Honestly, that's what it really yeah. mm. has come down to is me trying to best manage my mental health and stress levels. And so by transitioning to those models, I've been able to, or those ways of selling those forms of selling, it's, it's really yeah. helped to take a lot of that pressure off. I think the hardest part is, is there's a, there's this idea. And I think that you've struggled with it in the terms of the idea of comparing yourself to other people. Oh, for sure. 100%. And that's been like, that's the biggest. And I think that it, it has, I think all these things has to do with who you are at a certain point, point in the li in life. And I was thinking yeah. about this question a lot because when I was eulogizing Uri Hoffi, I was talking mm -hmm. to Jesse Savage about it and we were both, we came to the, not came to the conclusion. The fact remains is he didn't start forging until he was 50. And right. he came at it late in life at a specific at a very specific time in his life where he had this degree of experience in life. And I made the point that I don't think, I think if he started like Will Stelter at like mm. 15 or 12 or whatever, how old that little bastard is, I don't think he would have been the same guy. And I don't think he would have had the impact. Now. I don't think he would have had the same impact because he came at something new at an older age with the wisdom and maturity of life. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I think that everything has to do with the spectrum of time in your life and the experiences you've had. When you talk about entitlement, you talk about entitlement with the, with the, with the, with the fire guys, all the campfire guys. A part of entitlement is people don't respect the idea of experience is what kind of gets you to who you are. And, sure. and I think that I thought about it now. I was thinking about it when I, read the, when I put it up on, in the notes. And I was thinking I wouldn't change anything because I like the fact that I came from where I am. It all was a logical progression. And mm -hmm. I came through it from uh, a, a, a history of, of doing metalwork. Like somebody asked me how long you've been doing this. I'm like, I've been working with metal since I was 18. And, it's not, and I've been having to come up with ideas and execute them the same way with metal since I was 18. There wasn't really much of a change. I learned tricks and tips and through experience of, of what works and what doesn't work. But I don't think I would have changed the thing. I like where I've come from and I like, I'm really embracing the age that I'm at because I'm just like, I don't need to be like some of these dorks who are like, you know, they need to do dance around and do all this, you know, stuff. I, I, I feel very <laughs> confident in what we're doing. And yeah. if I was 10 years younger, I'm not sure I would have felt the same way. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, what do you think, Craig? Um, I'm going to answer this in two parts. Um, so, said if you had to restart your knife making journey, so I'm going to, I'm going to give the bad and the good. Um, it's good decisions I've made and bad decisions I've made. Um, I th I'll start with the bad. Um, come to this not from a, a metalworking background like, like yourself, Jeff. Um, very much as a hobby, something that I got into, um, and that's pretty much my life finding a new hobby and then going from a hobby to taking it as far as i can as quickly as possible it seems to be a recurring theme um so it went from a from a hobby that i was loving doing to then becoming my sole source of income um to then taking on you know large large runs of orders um and that sort of fun that i had when it was a hobby 
then just dissipated. Now it was, you know, it was work and it was a business. And, you know, that was the decision that I'd made. Um, but I made a few bad decisions there. I mean, part of it was reliant on other people. Um, I should have just got a plasma cutter early on and just been doing my own thing. Um, yeah, there, there's a bunch of, and it's, it, like I say, it's a recurring theme of mine, getting something and quickly, as fast as I can, getting as far as I can. And, you know, I, I should have just slowed, slowed down. And just enjoyed the ride and built, built slowly. Um, so that's that's uh, you know one of the bad decisions that I think I've made. Um, the good decisions, you know, the good things that have happened. And I think very, very early on, after making literally two or three knives, I started this podcast, and the whole purpose was to speak to people who knew more than me and basically drill them for as much information as I could to learn from them, um, which you know I'm still doing to this day. And we're, you know, we're nearly 300 episodes in now. Um, so that was probably the best decision I ever made as a knife maker at, at that early point. Speak to people who are far, far better th- than me. Um, and what I have found is people have been like, you know, completely generous, you know, with, you know, with helping any questions that I have. And even now, the questions that are being sent in, most of these, you know, I'm, I'm not as experienced as Jeff or Morocco. Most of these questions, I'm waiting to hear their answers myself as well. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's the bad decisions and the good decisions, I think. It's really, it's interesting how, back to, you know, how people just make the decisions on what they're going to do in their lives. And Mm. what's interesting to me about you, Craig, is you find something that you enjoy and then you really kind of put everything into it. And everything, everything, you (laughs) put everything into it. And even with the music, I'm wondering, I've been wondering about this for a while. When you do a gig or when you do a festival, you're creating a moment an event, a moment that is gone. At the end of it, you you've you have the memories, maybe you have some video, maybe you have some audio, but you have the the moment is gone. The, you have the yeah. gig on Saturday and then Sunday it was over. Do you get the same sense of satisfaction with that as you do when you used to say, I'm gonna make a knife today, and then you make the knife and then you have the knife and then you see you have the physical uh, evidence of the work that you've done. What do you think you get more? Do you do you see a, a difference between that sense of satisfaction? N- not really. Wow. I think it's I, I think it's it's pretty much the same. It's just same doing it. Yeah, it's huh. it's putting your mind to doing something and then then doing it and and you know whether that's making a physical thing or making you know finishing the gig kind of thing. So you don't need um, that. You don't need the thing at the end to see and to say, look, I know what I did to do that. No, because wow. then it's straight to me. It's straight on to the next one. Then wow. you know, and, and 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 I think that's part of my sort of my tunnel vision problem. Really, is the next one needs to be bigger and better all the time, quicker. You know, it needs to happen quickly and it needs to be bigger and better. Um, to the point where it, anybody around me it drives them insane. They're just like, just chill out, calm down a bit. You know, um, yeah. It, it once once that's done, it's gone, isn't it? And then then you're on to you're on yeah. to, you're on to the next bigger thing. Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It is a strange one. I think that's just being sort of creative. I think you know that you know. There's many outlets to do that, and I just think you know, as long as it's better each time, that's that's my focus, I suppose. Because hmm. yeah. I mean, if you think about this podcast, we've had some episodes that are really funny, or really good, or really poignant, or really help someone. I don't oh, think yeah, about yeah. them at all. Like, I, I'm no. like, there, it was yeah. over. I mean, there is this, you know, physical, you can listen to it, go back and listen to it, but I don't, like, there are people who sneak into my D or say something in my, in my feed, and I'll say something they think 
that I've said to them on the phone or something. And I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, and it's like, I don't have any <laughs> recollection of it. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop being weird on my shit. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, let's tell people about these guys. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. There we go. 15% off. Get yourself a bargain. Who's going to take Bremner belt blades? I'll take it. Uh, it says, hello from up here in Canada, eh? Uh, I have a question for you, fellas. I just started doing my hidden tang knives, but I need some tips on how to line up the spine hole in the handle. The pinhole. Oh, sorry. The pinhole <laughs> in the handle and tang. Also, maybe some tips on hidden tang fitment into the handle. Uh, thanks, guys, and have a great day. Oh, and don't forget to keep your stick on the ice. That's a Canada See thing. you on the ice. Keep your stick on yeah. the ice and head down, I guess. Okay, hidden tang knives. Um, I have I haven't made a single one, um, but he's on. But the you know that pinhole where you put the pin through to hold the tang in the handle. Um, any tips, Jeffrey? I don't do that only because I don't. I remember taking a class with a knife maker who shall be renamed, uh, remain nameless, and he said you don't need that shit for a culinary knife. You don't need that shit. <laughs> um, and. Uh, the only thing I ever saw someone do, and I think I did it, it was uh, Kurt Holland of mm, Freehill right. Blades. What yeah. he did was he, before he heat treated the blade, he drilled a bigger hole and then put a brass slug in that hole. And then kind of, you know, you take your, your tang and then you countersink both sides and you put a brass slug and then you kind of peen it over so it, it locks in. And then you mm. do it, you know, clean it up and make it flat fit you fit the you fit your knife in and then once you i guess you'd have to put the slug in after you heat treat it you drill the hole first finish it heat treat it then put the slug in then stick it through and then drill through and then you end up if you can figure out how to mark it you'll drill through that brass slug if it's big enough and you won't miss it that's the only thing i can think of because uh, I would, I would have be afraid of like doing it before heat treatment, and then all of a sudden something slips, and the next thing you know, you can't fit it to the goddamn hole, and then you got this little <laughs> pin, and you're like, right. you know, it's like you got to do a, you need a boomerang to get the pin through the thing, and I would do that. that if I were to do a pin, that's how I would do it. Yeah, um, yeah. When I first started doing hidden tangs, I, I'd always seen people drill holes and then use. Um, the hole in the tang for either dipping the knife in oil or some through the heat treatment process. And then my question was like, okay, okay. well, how do I trans, how do I translate that hole into the handle? Uh, when there's already a hole, I want to use that hole. But, um, if I, you know, cut the slot for the tang, it's inside the handle at this point, I can't see exactly where it is. How the fuck do I do this? Um, and the way I've, and I'm sure there are other people do this too, but the way I've worked around that is that um, after I I forge and grind, do any primary grinding, heat treat the blade, uh, the whole blade's hardened, um, and then I draw back the temper on the tang with uh, just like a handheld propane torch, and I bring it up to a dull red, which is kind of doing a sort of, um, uh, what is it called? Temper anneal. And... Um, and at that point, once it's 
air cool, like allowed to cool down. Uh, and it and, and and this works best with simpler carbon steels, like a 1080s or like a 10 series steel. Um, uh, when you start to get into more kind of boutique steels and stainless steels, this isn't going to work as well. And that's where Kurt's trick would probably be more amenable. But if you're doing like my Damascus is typically out of 15 and 20 and 1080, 1084 or something like that, a mixture of some of those 10 series and 15 and 20, um, this should work for you. And what I do now, so I draw back the temper and, or the hardness in that tang. I basically do a temper anneal with a hand torch. And I, br- I don't just bring it up to the dull red, but I kind of hold it there. I try to hold it there for at least, you know, a minute, a couple minutes, nothing crazy. Um, and then I let it cool down. I put the knife into the tang slot. And then I like the knife I just posted recently is this big old, like, I call it, what is it? The, the brisket brew It's a brute to forge like scimitar. And, um, I did this exact same thing with this knife. So I did a bedded tang. So I, I put, I hit the tang with a little bit of wax and then I, um, mixed up some epoxy, put it into the tang slot, glued everything up. And then because I'd, uh, drawn back the hardness in that tang, with everything really like fit up really nicely and snug, that's when I drilled the hole for my tang. Um, and I drilled for it the straight. Pin. Sorry, sorry for, for, yeah, right. Sorry for the pin. So I still drilled straight through the wood material through the tang and out the other side. Um, and before I figured out where I was going to drill it, I, I had everything pretty well marked out on the handle material where the tang slot is, where everything's going to fit. Um, and then, that's and then I drilled it and that that has always been my approach to using uh if I'm going to do any kind of mechanical fastener in a knife uh, especially a pin in the tang Makes sense. there you go keeping yeah. your stick on the ice <laughs> exactly yeah and, and what about what about fit up then um for the actual um the tang so if you forget about the pin just actually fit in the tang into the into the handle nicely um, I know some people will burn it in. Some people use wax as well, don't you? But have you got any tips for that? I mean, the the bedded tang using the epoxy, like I just described, um, is a great way to get a perfect fit on the tang of the knife. Um, and uh, yeah, get a perfect fit on the tang of the knife. That way, you can you, you can gently warm it back up, slide it back out. And then you can work the handle off of the tang uh, and then put things back together and check how everything is lining up and feeling and all that kind of stuff. And you can kind of work back and forth, take it on, put it back off, or take it off, put it back on, work back and forth. I will say for the final glue up, and part of the reason I wanted to use a mechanical fastener is because I did bed the tang. And I usually on an integral knife, I will do a through tang fit up. So instead of doing the pin through the middle of the tang, I'll attach uh, a bolt and bolt it from the bottom of the tang through the butt for the, through the, the pommel of the handle. Um, but for this kind of tang, I just was working it, um, like a, a, a kind of like a more traditional kind of, uh, hidden tang with a pin construction. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. There you go. Okay. Remna build blades over there in Canada. If you're looking for some stuff as a knife maker, you know where you should be going, eh? A, A, A. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, the one-stop shop for knife makers, steel belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. Basically, anything that we promote on this show, they've got it there. Maritime Knife Supply. 
com. Go follow them on Instagram too, Maritime Knife Supply. They got uh, Broadbeck Ironworks and they have Damasteel too. Now, ah, well, they've got Jeez. it all. And Combat Abrasives. And, uh, yeah. and Rhino. Jeez. They've got it all. Yeah, They've got it all. Well, here's the question for Craig from M3 Knives. Hey, dudes. Does- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Craig, no. Those websites that have non-copy... Oh, not those websites. <laughs> Does he know them, them websites where you stick that thing up your butt? I'm just kidding. Those websites that... Single mothers in your area, that one. <laughs> those websites that have the non-copyright music to use on videos. What does that mean? Ah, ah I see what he means. Um, so I assume he's making videos and he wants to put music in. That's non-copyrighted. Um, so you're not going to get you know copyright strikes on YouTube or whatever. Um, I mean, I don't really make videos like that anymore but um before i was using epidemic sound um they've got thousands tens and tens of thousands of of music there and it's like a subscription thing you pay you know so many so many pounds or dollars per month um but that really sucks because when you as soon as you you know once you've finished and you think i'm not doing that anymore and you cancel your subscription any videos that you've got out they'll then claim the copyright too oh shit um so you need to keep literally pay them for the rest of your life which is which really sucks um but there there are there are some i think sound stripe is one where you literally pay a one-off fee um you don't have to keep paying a subscription um but youtube itself there's lots of royalty free music on youtube now as well um yeah if you go to i'm just looking up now youtube.com um and you just put royalty free music no copyright music um yeah it's all you know licensed by youtube for you to use um so you won't get any copyright strikes that kind of thing yeah so yeah, there's plenty. Of so them. if it's free to use, you still want to throw like a credit down in the caption or something, though, right? Or is that yeah? Completely unnecessary it depends. What, depends what the licensing situation is. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Most most of the ones that you pay for, you don't need to. Um. But I said they they basically got you by the balls. You need to pay for the rest of your life, really. Otherwise, the minute you don't, they'll start claiming all the copyright on those videos. Um. But yeah, I think the YouTube ones. I don't think you need to. There is royalty free music. Um. 
yeah, there's a few. I think Artlist is another one as well, where it's it's actual video clips you can use as well as you know stock video footage as well as music. There's all sorts sorts out there now. Yeah. Have you ever thought, Craig, of putting together simple like one minute? Because a lot of the the music I see that's royalty free is like a minute or two minutes, like little whatever, like all kinds of different genres, whether it's classical music or it's like, but but making that music and, and, and then kind of driving people to, I don't know how well that would work to drive people to your music. Like, um, there's, there's loads of sites where you can do that and you can sort of, you can sell it, you know, you can upload your, you know, your 30 second clips. And, um, if people want to buy it from there, you know, and yeah, they're, they're called sync sites. Um, okay. so they'll sync it up and whether people want to use it on TV or anything. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of them out mm. there. Um, but the competition is, is super high. The production values on some of that music now is just is incredible. You know, there's, you know, full-time songwriters doing that all day, every sure. day um, with amazing stuff. So, yeah, it, w- it would be extremely hard, I think, to sort of break into that market. But, um, but yeah, I mean, now because, you know, 10 years ago, not that many people, you know, were setting up YouTube channels and using you know music in social media campaigns and so on um but now that there's just so many outlets for right. it yeah it's just a quick google search of you know copyright free music and that kind of yeah. you'll i've just done it and there's literally pages and pages and pages yeah when i yeah. when i do reels i try to use the music of friends who i know who make music and have music available to use on instagram mm-hmm. and try to put their music in the background so if you had music on there i'd be using that he does have music yeah. well this i mean all town I understand. Like, but in, this like town incidental will music. I know what you, you mean. That <laughs> <laughs> enough of that fucking song. Um, oh, all, yeah, the, all of mean, a like, sudden now all of a sudden you've had enough of that song? What? Uh yeah. Well, yeah. I know what you mean. Incidental music, which is yeah, like little little clips, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah plenty out there. Um M three knives. Enough of that fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get you we got you to number one. In the charts, he got you on the charts, and now it's enough of that fucking song. Oh, how the the turntable! <laughs> like, like we said earlier, on to the next one, Look isn't it? You. On to the next Look one. At you. Yeah. Oh, this and one the- sounds like one for both you, Craig, and Mister Jeff. This is from C.J. Ballard. He says, "Hey, fellas, I got a question for the knife experts. Which stainless steel is the easiest to work with in heat treat?" I'm still an amateur maker and want to try a stainless stock removal build, but don't have all the equipment for cryo treating and all that. Uh, is there stainless that you can heat treat and temper like 1095 or 1084? I normally treat 1095 with my propane forage and peanut oil and temper in an oven at 420 degrees for two hours. Thanks fellas. And keep up the good work. Love the podcast. So it sounds like he's working with kind of a, uh, a little bit of a rudimentary setup is that hmm. ideal for stainless? What are you guys' thoughts? No, you're you're gonna have to invest a bit, unfortunately. Um, yeah, a propane forge, you're probably not gonna get to the temperatures you need, uh, and if you do, it it certainly wouldn't be an even temperature. Plus, you're allowing all that oxygen as well there. It, it yeah, you, you're gonna need a kiln, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, there's really no two ways about it, unless unless you know of a stainless steel, Jeff. That I you think of- didn't even think about the oxygen part. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the, there's a lot of stainless steels that are easy to heat treat, but not with a forge, because you have to, yeah. you're at like you know, AEBL, 440C, they're all around like 1925 degrees, and you got to hold them. you got to hold them right. for a certain amount of time. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I can't get, uh, I mean, unless you had like a thermal coupler on your forge, I don't know how you would be able to control the exact heat and soak time of the, sure. it's just too much. It's Even too with much. a baffle, really, it would still be a pain in the ass. You, you, there would be, it would be very, very hard to know exactly where you're at. And, you know, there's certain, you know, uh, 440C also likes certain ramp rates. Like it likes, it likes to sit at three different temperatures for 10 minutes a pop before you get to the, mm. the final temperature. This is something we get a lot, and um, I hate to be the burden of bad news, but you just it's not for you yet. And, and that's yeah. good. I, my suggestion would be is to get your stainless steel, stock removal of the stainless steel out, and get someone to heat treat it. You know, send it to a heat treater or, or send yep. some, send it to a friend who does heat treating. Don't send it to me. Mm. <laughs> That's what you did, right? When you first started doing stainless stuff. Yeah, I paid, I paid, uh, uh, K, KH Daily Knives. Kyle Daly, mm. uh, used to heat treat my knives in the beginning and I got sick of it. I got sick of having to deal, <laughs> I got sick of having to deal with somebody else doing it. You know, you want to do everything yeah. yourself and. Yeah, yeah, you know, make yeah. changes, and all of a sudden you can't make changes, and you can't like he—he's got another job too. So there are people out there who are willing to do it, and there are people who are out there who would do it professionally, and it wouldn't be that expensive. But you know, the, we get to the point where we're just like, I want to do this, but I only have this. Well, this yeah. ain't enough. So yeah. And the thing is, it's it's not difficult if you've got the gear. Like right. if, if you've got a, if you've got a kiln, um, I'd argue that it's it's maybe simpler than working with it. Well, it certainly is simpler than working with oh, a, you know by a, a mile a torch and doing a high carbon steel. Um, because you almost set and forget it. You know, once you, once you've got your recipe and treat it like a recipe because you're using an oven and you set your temperatures and the rest of it. Um, it it you know it does itself and it's it's repeatable each time, which it which is which is the main thing. Um, but yeah, with with a forge, I, as a propane forge, I, I unfortunately I don't. I don't You're not going to get up there. You're not no. going to get to the temperatures you need to be getting up there too, mm-hmm. and holding them at yeah. a very specific temperature. You don't want to yeah. overdo it, and you don't want that oxygen. You you're absolutely right. So sorry, sorry, my guy. Bearer of bad news. Sorry, my guy. <laughs> but you know, if you are getting a kale, you know which one to get as well, don't you? Evenheat-kilns.com. Okay. Um, so Shane, so Shane has um, messaged us. Yo, cuties, did you see the Reddit post in um, Today I Fucked Up, which I assume is a Reddit thread, um, and it's about a knife maker who left a spicy sandwich for a lunch thief. Did you hear about I this? I didn't. No. No. Was I it have Forge it. Scale? I have it. No, no, no. This is something. <laughs> and this is, I, originally, so Shane sent it, and I thought it was him who did it. It is not him who did this. <laughs> So a friend of somebody mine wrote <laughs> somebody right, yeah. wrote this yeah. into I guess in Reddit there's this thing called uh, today I fucked up uh, in a shared hangar with several workshops my friends and I rented a small space for a knife making enterprise for a year our shared kitchen and refrigerator functioned harmoniously and everyone respects each other's food however an anonymous individual began stealing my sandwiches consuming half of each one leaving bite marks as if to taunt me. Initially, I assumed it was a one-off incident, and then when it occurred again, I was determined to act. I prepared sandwiches with an extremely spicy Carolina Reaper sauce, a teaspoon in each, leaving a note warning about the consequences of stealing someone else's food, and went out for lunch. Upon my return, chaos reigned. The atmosphere was one of panic, and a woman's scream cut through the commotion accompanied by a child's cry. The culprit turned out to be 
the our cleaner's nine year old son, who she'd been bringing <laughs> oh, to work, shit. who oh, she'd been bringing no. to work during the school disinfection week. Oh, uh, we had uh, made a habit of he'd made a habit of pilfer the, pilfering from the fridge, bypassing the healthy lunches his mother prepared in favor of my sandwiches. The child was in distress, suffering from intense spiciness from the sauce. In my defense, I explained the sandwiches were mine, and I spiked them with hot sauce. The cleaner, initially relieved by my explanation, suddenly became furious, accusing me of trying to harm her child. Oh, my God. This resulted in an escalated situation. The cleaner reported the incident to our landlord and threatened police intervention. The incident strained uh, relations with the other people in the workshop, siding with the cleaner due to her status as a mother. Consequently, our landlord has given us a month to relocate, adding to our financial struggles. My friends, too, are upset with me. I maintain innocence, arguing that I had no idea that the child was a food thief and that I would never intentionally harm a child. Nonetheless... I seem, uh, it seems I'm held responsible, accused of creating a oh. huge problem for a seemingly trivial situation. The child is okay. No harm to the, uh, to the health was inflicted. I still, um, it was still an edible sauce, just very spicy. Right. Um, I've got questions. Do you think it was spicy Mike that did that? I don't think it's, <laughs> that's a deep cut. I don't think it was spicy Mike, no. Spicy Mike. Spicy Mike. Mike. That, was, that was a deep, deep cut. Deep, deep cut, spicy Mike. I don't think so. Couple of questions here. I mean, I, I mean, give you what I know, and I read it to you. So go ahead. Yeah, who gets? Who has a workshop where they employ an external cleaner to come in and do cleaning for? I them? think I mean, that it that's... was part of the. Most likely, it was like a, for a shared space. Maybe they had like a cleaner of the building and a cleaner. Maybe they didn't. Have oh, a cleaner. maybe. Okay. Okay. So that's. Um, I, let's just you assume. Know, that. We know this guy was a knife maker. So who then allows them to bring their was it seven year old child in into into the place as well? Bro, That's... it might have been like a. It might have been. I would assume. Here's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming it was a shared kitchen, you know, like right. a office, a building with spaces, and people were allowed to use the refrigerator mm. and stuff. So it was like a break room. And if there were multiple shops, then everyone was, you know, the cleaner was probably just cleaning the bathroom, and cleaning the okay, kitchen, the shared okay. space. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. This is exactly why i say don't bring food to your shop don't bring food to your shop i don't want it in the shop i don't want that shit really i don't want that no, no food, food in the shop no food in the shop wow. david has his lunch and i fucking tell him no, i don't want the don't take it with you i don't want it in the shop no food in the shop so what do you Holy do? For I go. Smokes. I go home. I, I have to let the. I have like thirty minutes, less than thirty minutes. I let the dogs out for a leak. I eat a quick salad and I go back to the shop. I don't futz around with fucking my gluttony. I don't futz around with sandwich. I don't have to worry about someone's so eating listen, my Jeff, sandwich. Don't, Fuck don't you. you dare enjoy yourself. Okay, I do enjoy don't myself. Go I'm home here to have work. a quick salad. I'm here to Fuck work. Me. That's your that's your problem. You've been in France too long, where they're taking siestas or whatever the fuck they're doing over in France. They're lounging around with their cheese and wine, and I only drink a light alcohol wine because it's lunchtime. Get the fuck out of here. Get back to work. And you and the clean the cleaner the cleaner. I don't know how I feel about the whole story because part of me was like, this must be so Shane, but he said it was not me. So let's just say it was mm-hmm. not so Shane. I, I personally, I don't like pranks. 
pranks can go fuck themselves. It never is good. Mm. And I'm not going to go out of my way. I don't have time to go out of my way to, I'm going to find the, I'm not going to teach somebody a lesson. I don't have, I'm almost 50. I don't have time to teach lessons with pranks. <laughs> I'm going to, if I have to bring food to the shop, I'm going to have it in a cooler and it's going to be in my car or somewhere. It's not, I don't want people touching my food. But I'm not going to fucking make a fucking fake... I'm not going to try to, like, put a booby trap in my sandwich, for Christ's <laughs> oh, sake. No, put, no, like, no, a no, mouse no. trap in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Have you, I, I made the, one of the worst mistakes in my life. Probably, probably ruined the relationship with my father for a booby... I did a booby trap. Oh, this was bad. So when I was younger, when I was about 13 or 14... I remember this story. My dad... No, you don't remember this story. Yes, I do. Oh, let me tell the story. Okay, I'll see tell if you the story. Let's hear it. So I, when my dad got married for the fourth time, his wife was trying to endear herself to me, but it was just like, you know, the whole thing was weird. And for some reason, because I, because I was having a hard time growing up, because the parents were divorced and my mother didn't really want me around, and then my dad didn't PG really want, nobody wanted me around, yeah, yeah. they assumed that I was on drugs. And <laughs> I wasn't. I, I promise you, at that age, I was not on drugs. So all of a sudden, I started realizing that when I was going to visit my dad, somebody was rifling through my clothes and my bags. And I was just like, that's, that's weird. really weird. Like, why would somebody go through my bags and my stuff? Well, I thought I'd set a trap. And I had a fake grenade, hand grenade. Oh. And I put, uh, I put the fake hand grenade in between the uh, bed and the mattress of my bed, and then I tied a fishing line to the radiator. So, and I put my bag, so you'd have to trip the, you'd have to pull the pin from the grenade in order for some to get to the bag. Well, all of a sudden, weeks go past, I'd forgotten all about it. My dad picked me up at the train station, stopped on the highway, and he says, eh, I have uh, Jeff, what's this? Pulls out a grenade. That's like, uh, I don't know. Oh, shit. I got lit up like you've never been. My wife thinks you want to kill her, and she thinks that she thinks that this is some sort of uh, aggressive thing. And what were you thinking? I was like, well, I bet. you know, as a kid, you know, you never are prepared. You never are prepared yeah. to uh, answer in the way you would normally, because you're, you're freaked out. He pulled over on the side of the highway. To fucking light me up, he had he knew what he was gonna do. And I was like, "Well, you know, she was going through my stuff." And he goes, "I want you to know something. This is my house. That room is my room, and the things in it are mine. They are not yours." And I was like, "Whoa!" And it was like that was the end. I mean, that was basically like you're not welcome here anymore. Oh, so shit. no booby traps for me. I ain't making any. I I'm done. My booby trapping days are one and done. I'm not trapping anybody. Fishing wire and a hand grenade. I was, was wrong. I did not know grenade. that one. It was a fake hand grenade. It was a, a real one. It was a fucking dud. But it was like, yeah. you know, he got the trick and he oh, was in like World the War II. Store? Yeah, <laughs> it was like a that. fucking hollowed out hand grenade. And she's just like, honey, what's this? And he's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. My son's Don't trying move. to kill Nobody you. Nobody move. Nobody move. Yeah, no, it was fake. And there was a fucking hole in it. There was a. It was like a novelty thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then it was, it was so traumatic because he just like stopped on the highway to fucking light me up. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He master manipulation. Just keep me on the ropes. I had no chance. I sounded like an idiot. Years later, I brought my first girlfriend to the house, and we we're sitting down for dinner, and my dad goes. We're having a conversation. In the middle of the conversation, 
he takes the hand grenade he's been holding it for all these years and he <laughs> plops it down on the table and he says to my girlfriend you know what this is and he fucking brings the whole story back up i'm just like oh, oh jesus fuck? yeah it was sadistic so super, was super. so no pranks gnarly. ladies and gentlemen no pranks i'm not doing any pranks yeah. <laughs> there you go I, I feel bad for whoever this is because i feel like that's a big s- step to take between my kid ate was pilfering the fridge and eating other people's food to you did this to my kid on purpose to try to harm them and i'm gonna get you kicked out of the fucking shop like that could really fuck somebody over i mean i'm sure it is totally up up uh upending their the whole operation like well the kid didn't the kid didn't the kid didn't read the note saying don't eat my sandwiches you know, mm-hmm. my stepmother didn't heed the message when I ran. I left something upstairs for you. <laughs> she didn't. I forgot to leave that part out. But I mean, I mean, don't bring food to the shop. Period. Solve the problem. Solve. No. Problem solved. Don't fucking. I you don't, don't get to eat. There's a. Re- you're the reason. That I didn't they have, have all these law these laws around. <laughs> Dude, I, I have, people I being able to take adequate breaks and getting a lunch the hour and all the shit. I'm, I'm gonna be, fucking I'm gonna be slave honest. drivers like you. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's four o'clock. Right David should start a union. Four o four in the afternoon. I have, the last meal I had was last night. I had a couple of coffee this morning. That's it. What do you want? A gold star? Who the I'm fuck cares? I'm just telling you. I'm that's not your hungry. call. That's your move. <laughs> I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. And if I was to make a delicious sandwich and I brought it to the shop and somebody was taking bites out of it, I'd fucking throw it out. I would not be able to eat anymore. I wouldn't. If somebody's biting into my sandwich, that's it. I'm not eating this anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, that's gross. And I'm throwing yeah. myself around. I'm not like waiting. I'm not figuring out how I'm going to catch the, per- the the pink panther of sandwiches. I'm going to fucking go up to everybody and I'm saying, listen, if you ate my fucking sandwich, I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. You know? You sound like a, yeah, like an early yeah. 80s New York gangster. All right. this Give is me between, a fucking knuckle sandwich. <laughs> this yeah. is between you, me, and your teeth. And if you don't answer the right question, your teeth are leaving the conversation. <laughs> so there you go. There we go. There we go. Okay. Those guys listening from Texas, anybody down south, um, where do you go and get your stuff? I bet it's Texas, farriersupply.com, whether you're a knife maker or a farrier. Blade Smith, whatever you want to call yourself. They've got However you identify. You need. However you identify, <laughs> yes. TexasFarriersupply.com. And of course, they sell Indasa Rhinoet, which is the sandpaper of the superstars. It's what everybody uses because it's going to save you time. And if it's saving you time, it's saving you money. Indasa Rhinoet really is the shit. And they sell it at Texas Farris Supply. So if you put your Rhinoet in the basket there and you go to the checkout and you put Knife Talk 10 in, you'll get 10% off. But here's the rub. It's not just Rhinoet. You'll get 10% off anything that they sell. And they sell everything that you need. So take a look at TexasFarrisSupply.com and use Knife Talk 10 for your 10% discount. Do you imagine if somebody on their Instagram profile put in as their pronouns Smith slash Bladesmith? <laughs> I, that would that would not surprise me just because no. I've people, never seen it, but I, I that would not surprise me for this reason. People are so proud of how pithy they are. They are yes. so proud of the dumbest jokes. I mean, it, I get. I mean, I swear to God, I I get people write to me the dumbest, the dumbest things, and they are. You can tell. When they hit send, they are like, I am proud of this one. This one, A plus, this is some A plus bullshit right here. And I'm like, I'm like scratching my head. I'm just like, God damn, that is like a, 
a spicy sandwich right there. That's hard. Yeah. It's fucking hard. So <laughs> I would not surprise me whatsoever. Oh, and I would groan. I'm like, oh, God, now that's what you're doing? Okay. We have listener feedback. We keep going questions up to you guys. Let's do let's do a little bit of listener feedback. Then. All right, guys. Listen, if you listen to the podcast and you want to say, I want to interact with the guys, go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and uh, DM us something. This one comes from Leonardo Lee. Leonardo Lee he says, just a quick correction. In the latest episode, Mareko was saying that the French style of chef knife was di- designed to be less dangerous back in the Middle Ages. It was actually table knives that were made less dangerous. That's why the standard table cutlery mm-hmm. has no sharp point or edge. My bad. Fun yeah. fact, not wanting sharp weapons at the table is also a reason why China started using chopsticks. Well, so and a lot of people who use for or use their knives as a fork, basically as a single tine. Forks didn't come along for a long time. It was knives and spoons. And then and at a certain point when probably since the knives didn't have points anymore, they're like, well, let's figure out something else. How about a tiny pitchfork and we could shovel the food in our mouth? Speaking of uh, <laughs> shoveling food, do you know what a stack is? Uh, I don't know. There's the this context. There's a all right. Well, <laughs> yes, correct. I, I, you're supposed to just say no, and we'll keep going. Okay, sorry. Fine. No. So uh, there's this there's this Korean food Korean American foodie. Um, his name is Yox Y O X Rick. He's awesome. He's fucking awesome, and he does these amazing food. He, you know, he goes to a restaurant and he, he kind of raps behind the scenes of it. He just kind of like mm. it's very poetic, and he'll make a plate and then he'll make a a spoon and he'll load the spoon up to this ridiculous amount and he calls that the the final stack and then he'll shove this i mean incredible amount of food from the like a fucking serving spoon into his mouth and it is like it's it's like a frog opening up i mean it's like it's unbelievable (laughs) and but it doesn't seem like grotesque it just seems like he just loves food so he calls it now we're gonna have a stack and uh He's just deep throating a stack of food. Well, deep throating. I don't know about that. I mean, he's putting his mouth. I don't know how far he's bringing down that spoon, but I'm with you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, uh, Madge Kick Knives, our friend Madge Kick Knives says, I have some feedback regarding glove talk from last week's episode, Craig. We were talking, there's a guy who has autoimmune autoimmune disease that makes it hard for him to work in the shop all the time. And he wants to know what to do. He says, I wear gloves for most of the stuff I do in the shop. I found them super useful in hand sanding. Wearing them totally stops your hand from getting stained from black with black. Uh, great episode as always. Also, Mareko saying, peace fuckers, to sign off was great. Oh, good. I'm glad you uh, that. <laughs> yeah, the, we got a lot of glove que- glo- glove situations. Uh, oh. But then, uh, yeah, people were saying using uh, nitrile gloves is the move. Uh, Ronald, one thing about nitrile gloves that bugs me a little bit is, like, if I'm wearing them, my hands get super swampy. Sweaty. Yeah, they yeah. get swampy in there. It's like, yeah, yeah, that yeah. gets gross. It's just like. Yeah. And if I'm hand sanded as well, I'll always try with one, but they always sort of tear right. and you end up having, yeah. like, your little finger and the rest of it, and it's just weird. They yeah, do yeah. keep your shit clean, though, that's for sure. Mm. Ronald Knives says, the most annoying response I've ever gotten about, we were asking, uh, this is a good question, you didn't get to answer it, but uh, what is the job you've had where when you tell it to someone, they're just like, they're condescending towards you? 
Um, you know, like mm. I was saying, you know, we were last week, I said that my worst job, the job I used to pick up shit on the street and like, you go to a party and say, what do you do for a living? I pick up dog shit on the street. You get a fucking <laughs> face. They put a fucking, give you a screw face. Uh, Ronald yeah. Knives is the most annoying response I ever got about what I did for work at, I was at a high school reunion. A guy from a year, from my year asked me what I was doing. And at the time I was the supervisor at a big hardware chain. I told him that he was, uh, uh, I told him, and he said, oh, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Not every job can be meaningful. And every task. Oh, my God. What and a every day, and the everyday task needs to be looked after, too. I asked him what he did, and he told me he was a professional Bible scholar for a private <laughs> Christian research organization. What the actual uh. fuck? One of us should have been embarrassed about having yeah. a meaningless job and it wasn't the one working in retail so exactly i couldn't agree yeah. more there yeah people but i tell you what, school reunions fuck you them. Know, that's just an opportunity for anybody to try and talk down to anybody they were bullied by that's, that's the, what it, i think the, the amazing thing is people have really lost their minds in regards to when they say things to other people it's oh, yeah. just Weird. nobody has any there was a uh just yankee yankee game last night awesome yankee finally they won last night and everyone's mad at the general manager brian cashman who has been part of the yankees organization forever whatever they scored the the opposite team scored two runs and the whole the whole stadium chanted fire cashman and you could see the pained look on the pitcher's face of like i'm having to listen to this crowd of people bl mm. basically blaming somebody else for me not pitching well i i'm i'm shocked at the things that people say without thinking about it shocked yeah everybody's the star in their own movie aren't they you know and they don't consider you know what everything they say is is there for their own ego you know and myself and we, we all are but it's, 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 it's to what degree you take that you know it's my wife thinks i'm crazy because i still am on this facebook i lurk I lurk. I lurk on Facebook. Mm. I don't. I don't need to. Uh, once again, I don't need to be pithy. I lurk. There's this local organization. There's this local Facebook group in my in my in my in my town. They are the pettiest motherfuckers you've ever heard of. And, and my wife's like, I don't know why you're still on there. I'm like, I need to know the depths of their pettiness. I went to this 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 bakery and i asked for this chocolate cake and there wasn't enough chocolate in it they've been going and then the next guy they've been going downhill for forever and yeah i fucked those guys they screwed me out of a cookie i mean it was like they <laughs> it, it, it was like this 40 threads about this bakery out of nowhere and the owner of the bakery had to go in and saying all you had to do is come in and say something there's no need to ruin my business and it was like yeah. how fucking petty can you be how petty yeah. can you be <laughs> not enough chocolate in the chocolate i mean entitlement <laughs> let's fucking close the restaurant down um <laughs> uh quantum ironwork says hey here's some feedback hey guys first of all thank you for the kydex sheath advice i built a press and successfully made my first sheath second no. i listened to you discuss toaster ovens and t-shirt presses to heat kydex and wanted to chime in on what i did i used my even heat to do the job and it worked great i know not everyone has a kiln so other tools are cheap and they work, but if you have a kiln, I don't see the need to buy a toaster oven or a heat press. Just my two cents. Thanks again for the info. Um, the even heat's great, except for the shit is dusty. And 
and yeah. Yeah. Kydex hates dust. I mean, you, when things get dusty and <laughs> you get to blow, the wind would blow, and your Kydex just like eats that dust right up. So, Yikes. and I would also think that it probably gets to ramp up it probably gets too hot i just i can't see myself yeah you firing to, up the old even heat to knock you'd off have like to a little... dial that ramp t- t- uh speed way the fuck down yeah i mean you would do the, the old door trek of opening the door and checking what i do with the, the, the everyone's he, he, people are giving it to me about the toaster i mean they know them better because you turn it on and then the you see the lights the, the 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 power lights go on and then you see it revving up you just don't put it in until they're done you know you don't put it in when they're stopped you know, it's reached its temperature. They're not those those energy beams or heat bars or whatever the fuck they are. They're done, and it's stabilized at, you know, under 300 degrees, and you just slap it in. And energy beams. I old I think that's much better. That's a much better. If I was the toaster oven company, I would call them energy beams. My $50 toaster oven is going to already be, oh, did you get the toaster oven with the energy beeps? It sure did. Me too. My fucking toast is awesome. Jesus. They'll be the new air fryers now, the energy beam ovens. <laughs> how, how, yeah. how, how in the hell are air fryers, how do they make it past the pandemic, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> how do they do it? They fucking crack the code. They, they have, fucking, yeah. Peloton it, 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 is just like, what the fuck? You're supposed to be like us? <laughs> What the fuck? How'd you crack the code of like uh, you know beating the bump? Oh yeah, beating the yeah. pandemic pump. Uh, oh yeah. And then uh, okay, I, go, I, go, I tell you what, Maraca, why didn't you tell everybody all about your grinder? I have a Broadbeck Ironworks grinder. I love that machine. It's awesome. I actually was just using it uh, to finish up this piece. Um, that I posted recently, um, and it's an, and I was using the buffing arm attachment, and that's what I really love about the Broadback. It's multiple machines in one, um, and they're great guys. These machines are designed and made and sold by great guys who are also makers themselves. Um, so go check them out, Broadback Ironworks. I believe it's Knife Talk 10, correct? That'll save you 10% on any of the different packages or different tooling arms, um, and they want to take care of you, go to broadbackironworks.com. And when you check out, use Knife Talk Ten. And that and our and uh, Jay Nielsen's going down to Ronald Knives told me Jay Nielsen's going down to uh, Australia, repping Broadback to Gamico. So the, he's going to be showing everybody that Gamico's got the. If you're in Australia, that Gamico's got them Broadbacks. And Jay Nielsen's cool. going to be, you know, grinding down under. You know what they say. That's after hours. That's a pop, that's a podcast waiting to happen. Yeah, baby, that's the Spice Channel. Grind the it down Spice Channel, Jesus. Nineteen ninety three. Bring that's it back. That's right, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, you go to old Spice you Channel. No idea. All right, so Spice about. Channel was like the first like <laughs> porn channel. <laughs> And then back in the day when we had cable boxes, if you could jiggle the fucking knob (laughs) a little bit, you could, you know, the jiggle the knob on the cable box, you could get a little charge of Spice Channel every so often. It was like, (laughs) it was like, it was like you would get static and white noise. And then all of a sudden 
ooh, titty. And then all of a sudden it's gone. <laughs> and then it's gone. And then, so it was like this. And that was, that was enough for a 14-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. 14, yeah. I was like 12 or 11. I was just like, wait a second. Somewhere hidden in this white noise is a naked woman. I got to find I got to find the frequency. I have to find it. was like one of those magic eyes. Yeah. You do your funny stuff. It's true. I was like, you know, you, there's some like little fuck it. Because it, it was like a little clicker. But in between the two channels, there was that little bit of tiny, <laughs> tiniest flash of nudity. Could never figured out. Kept you going for yep. years. Yep, yep, yep. There you go. We do have more listener Actually, feedback no, and more questions, so whatever you want. Yeah, let's do a couple more questions, and then um, and then we can, we'll before the before you do the Damasteel ad. Uh, yep. Just remind me to tell you. Not you know what? Never mind. Well, I got to do it now. So uh, Fernandez okay. Forge said, I have a question. I was listening to old episodes and came across the one about Damasteel. The Damasteel, I guess we talked years ago. Uh, Carly, this one isn't for you. <laughs> the Damasteel butt plug, I guess we'd mention at some oh, point. <laughs> Jeez, yes. And then he said, did, yeah. he, he said, wouldn't that make it the Cramasteel? So I'm uh, sorry. No one laughed. I, I, I'm sorry. Let's just, let's just wipe that last 30 seconds away from the show. That smear on the show. Um, but let's talk about Dharma Steel because it's the shit, as we keep saying. Um, DharmaSteel.se, um, they make a stainless uh, Damascus. Um, some amazing, amazing patterns. Real high-end stuff. And if you take a look at their Instagram, Dharma Steel Lab or Dharma Steel AB, if you want to be really anal about it. Why do you keep, doing, um, why do you keep bringing it back to that? <laughs> You will see. <laughs> What's the matter with? You? What's the, why are you telling me I'm the I'm the problem? Oh, gee. you will see the kind of stuff that people are making with Dharma Steel, and it's it's you know it's high end, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. So if you want to take your making to the next level, take a look. DharmaSteel.se. Um, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And remember, in November we've got the Dharma Steel um, Chef Invitational. Where our build along knives will be, we will be showing them. There's yeah, there, there's a lot going on. DharmaSteel.se. Make sure you check them out and make sure you are following them on Instagram. DharmaSteel. I just had this image of Carly throwing her computer across the room she when loves, you were like maniacally <laughs> chuckling. She loves it's like, God damn it, Craig. <laughs> she loves his podcast. She loves his podcast. It's all good. It's all good. Ooh. Right. Let's let's do a couple of questions then. Um, do 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 do. What the Falcon AK. Falcon AK, yes. When working with air quenching steels and aluminium plates, can you grind bevels before heat treating? I've been working with CPM M4, and after it hardens, it's extremely difficult to grind. With other steels, I leave full thickness in order to get um, even plate contact, but this M4 is kicking my ass. Um, do, do, do. Thanks in advance. And Jeff, keep working on that one ab. You're killing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's Kurt at Falcon Knives AK yeah. um, okay he's on about using aluminium plates to uh, quench stainless and um, he's saying he's working with a tricky steel which he'd like to grind bevels beforehand but I think he's answered the question himself really um, uh, he says with other steels I leave it full thickness in order to get even plate contact um, and I think that's the move um, it, it draws out the heat so so quickly that I think if you're not getting you know a full contact with the blade, it's 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 not gonna um, you know draw out that heat evenly. Um, 
So yeah, personally, I would. But some quite some stainless steels don't really need the plates. I mean, they're air hardening stainless steels. That's yeah, without right. plates. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've when I'm doing. Uh, it's a great question because when I was using like eighth inch four forty C. I mean, that is a long day at the office. I mean, that is like a long day at the office. And I would start to do, with especially with the smaller knives, if I was using eighth inch, I would kind of cut in the bevels, rough in the bevels, but just keep no distal taper whatsoever, just taking a little bit of the mass out. And I didn't have any pro... And then, so when I'm plate quenching, it was still, everything was flat except for wherever that little bit of edge was. And I haven't, I didn't notice I was losing anything, especially if I had the compressed air against the blade. Um, but I mean, give it a try. I, I would give it a try because I know that feeling of just like, yo, I cannot full thickness heat treat this, uh, grind this thing is like killing me. Um, mm. that's why I do it based on the thickness of the steel. Like part of me is just like, you know, something super, if you're heat treating something super thick anyway, you know, I don't necessarily know if just the plates are going to be enough sometimes. Right. God, I'm looking at the specs mm. of this steel. It's it's got a really high carbon content, like one plus percent carbon, and then it's got a ton of chrome, or at least for a carbon seal, it's got a ton of chrome, molybdenum, uh, tungsten, and vanadium, which are all carbide formers. Which I can understand why it makes it such a wear resistant steel, and why I've I, I've never actually looked at the chemical composition of it, but I've always heard it's a fucking nightmare to grind. Um, but it's just so in- intensely wear resistant. Yeah, I can see why you would want to do some grinding beforehand. Mm. Yikes! You can also you can also oil quench. Like if you get uh, you can oil quench stainless. There's a lot of people. I know that Jonathan Porter oil quenches a stainless. You get yourself uh, knife engineering, and he's got suggestions in the back. Mm-hmm. And there are there are st- there, you can oil quench certain stainlesses and you get the same results you can even oil quench demosteel they have the specs on their website um yeah they do and honestly it's the only way i've heat treated any stainless that i've ever made a knife out of was by oil quenching because i don't have plates um for doing especially and especially for doing integrals it's hard to uh, use plates with integrals um impossible almost unless you carve out the plate yeah, but even still, like the bolster is such a large thermal mass compared to the cross section of the right. blade that it, right. I, don't, I don't know how effective it would actually be in pulling out the heat in the bolster. Um, but I've I've used the especially for Damasteel's material. I've used their their specs, and I've I haven't had any issues with it. It's been That's great. your move. That's your move, uh, cool. um Kurt. That's your move, Kurt. Get yourself get yourself some oil and figure it out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, shall we call it a day? Whatever you want. Okay, okay. Well, stick around. We may carry on chatting. Um, But thank you all for listening. Uh, We appreciate it. Every Monday morning, we have a a new episode. And, um, yeah, we appreciate you all listening. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by... Ah, that was fun. That was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Every time you oh. uh, jump to what is it the the listener feedback, I have like this old seventies or early eighties like dating game like music playing in the back of my head. Yeah, totally. All right, everybody. Now we're gonna get, yeah.
I've been listening to so much sports talk radio, and I've been watch, listening to how these guys are. The fun, you know, part of me wishes we still got, we would get callers. The problem is it just doesn't work, doesn't work well. Mm-hmm. And you see that, the, see how they interact with the callers. And now it's becoming, because sports radio is so dependent on the daily, it's not, it doesn't really work as a podcast. Mm. They yeah, just, yeah. it's up to the minute. Yeah, yeah. Does, yeah. Who cares about two, a game three weeks ago? You know, unless, yeah. But it's, uh, they, they're really starting to shock jock it up and yell at the listeners more and more. It's becoming far more interesting. <laughs> You're an idiot! You know, <laughs> nice, nice. So, what have you been uh, watching, Jeff? Watching lots of sports. I have tonight. I get my family's in the city, so I might watch uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I might watch that tonight. Mm. That's the only thing I can think of. The first I one. Not, I could say. I guess the new one's out. The, new, the third one's out. Third one. I think I'm gonna watch that. Um, I'm going to a Yankee game tomorrow. A friend of mine uh, couldn't make it, so they're. I'm going to go to see the Yankees tomorrow, play against the Astros. I'm really excited about that. Nice. And then uh, I haven't really watched anything. My fam- my, my f- we're just trying to get it together. We're all trying to get it together. Now we're getting into, yeah. like, sadness times. And I'm just trying mm-hmm. to tell my family, I'm like, look, she's going away. She's going to be home in two months, and then she's going to be home for two months, and then she's going to be home for the summer. It's, don't stress yeah. it. Yeah. So Sure. So you haven't seen Barbie yet, then? My family went to see Barbie, and they told me why. Really? I, they, that my, they told me why I should see it, and I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm still not there." I'm like, why not? Yeah, Are you too? You're too tough. I'm like, no, I, I can't sit in a movie theater. Thank you very much. I'm not interested. It doesn't interest me. So it's like I don't want to see Oppenheimer. I can't think of one movie I want to sit in a movie theater for. We talked about this last week. It is good. It, well, I did enjoy it, and I, it's one of those films you need to see it in a theater. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think it'll work so well on TV. Right. Um, but it's good, and I, I love the fact that th- there wasn't really much happening. It was quite tense, you know. It, it was quite slow and quite intense, um, but but I did enjoy that. And I think if I was watching at home, I would have been distracted, and I would have been like, "Oh, fuck sure. this. Um But yeah, it is good. Really, I'll good. tell you what I, I watched it. that was shocking. I watched the Marvel Secret Invasion, huh? and the shocking part. And I'm telling you, everybody, what does I'm that telling mean? you the spoiler at the end. Invasion? I'm spoiling the end. I'm going to spoil the TV. It was a TV show. It wasn't great. Oh, okay. It wasn't great. I'm spoiling it. Are you ready to be spoiled? If you want to be, if you don't want to be spoiled, just hold your fucking ears. <laughs> so the Samuel Jackson gets tricked into marrying an alien. Didn't know. <laughs> Sound shit. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. And the, and the, and, the, and the, at the end, she 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 he wants her back. She shapeshifted into, and then he's, he says, come back with me to the spaceship. He says, Samuel Jackson, says, come back with me to the spaceship. He says, I, do you, I want you for how you are, something like that. She turns back into the alien, and they make out. And it was, that was the, probably the most shocking thing. She's got this bald head with these big pointy ears and this green, disgusting skin, and they are tongue wrestling at the end of the whole goddamn thing. I'm like, God damn, Samuel Jackson, what happened to you? Making right. out of the rubber face alien. <laughs> so gross. Sounds shit. It was shit. Sounds was shit. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's all I've seen recently of any sort of worth. Oppenheimer was pretty good. Um, I think I talked in the past about the... Um, Hijack that's on Apple oh, TV. Yeah. 
Um, it was the final final one today, so I haven't seen that oh, yet. Oh, so I was gonna. Sure I didn't see it, but I heard a thing. I'm not gonna tell you. Oh, oh. I, feel, I feel bad. Oh, David okay. said this. Okay. David said it, it was. It's it's good, but I mean, I think this this may be episode seven or eight. And not much has happened since the first episode. But like each episode is exciting. You're watching, you're going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it finishes and you just go, oh, fuck, what happened? They're just all just up in the air. Um, so I assume that the ending, something needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so. I hope so. Yeah, indeed, Sam, yeah. I mean, Idris Elba, you got to do something, right? <laughs> the savior of the I world. Mean, you can't of get any better yes, than yeah. Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, if I'm not going to be Bond, I'm going to play a Bond character in every film that I do. Fuck you all. I like he That's was just... on Hot Ones, he ate a chicken wing, and he, he said, who came up with this idea? And he says, here's your name. I'm going to punch you in the face. Or he said, can you fight? Because I want to punch you. I like Indris Elba. <laughs> uh, anything, Marek? Do you see anything? Nothing new. I'm still watching the Foundation series. And um, I started watching Reacher on Amazon Prime, um, which is like an ex-military guy. Um, discovers his brother died, and so he's trying to figure it out. Is it a, is it a Jack Reacher? Thing? Uh, it's probably a play off of that. I, I, I'm not oh, sure. Yeah. That was uh, I see. I ended up seeing all these clips of Tom Cruise being like, "Mister, I'm in the middle of now, and I know it's going to happen in like in 20 mm. minutes, 20 seconds. The phone's going to ring, and you're." And it's going to be a police officer. You're going to be in jail in 30 seconds. And then he's like, ah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Tom Cruise. Next thing you know, the phone rings and his eyes beat up. And all of a sudden, Tom Cruise is just like, he's, he understands what's going to happen. It's, I can't mm-hmm. handle it with him. He's a strange dude. He is strange. Let's just Very strange be clear. Dude. He looks like, I mean, I don't know what they, how they kept him looking as young as he looks. But he definitely yeah. seems like, he seems like a problem. Otherworldly. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Yeah. He was good in those movies, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the new Top Gun, I loved. It was good. I, I really loved. Yeah, yeah, really good. really good, really mm. good. And there's loads of references to the original as well. It's it is good. It really Ice good. Man. Yes, Ice Man's son is in it. Hmm. Oh. This may be an unpopular opinion, but I never really liked Top Gun. That's fine. <sighs> I, I remember going to it. I mean, I don't blame you. I, I went. To, it was like a. It was like a. Uh, it was like a Navy recruitment film. You know. I mean, sure. I remember yeah, when it came. Yeah. I went. I saw it in the theaters. I remember when it came out, mm-hmm. and it was like. Yeah. All I was just like, am I supposed to like enlist now? <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? So that? if I get a motorbike, would Kelly McGillis jump on the back? I mean, yeah, wait no, a second. Am I supposed to salute when I leave, or am I supposed to enlist now? <laughs> Jeff, you're only you're only fourteen. I'm like I know, but I mean, it seems like I'm supposed to enlist now, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I love no, I love the original and the yeah, the, the second one is is equally as good. I think, I think the yeah. best older movie is long as shit, but it always holds up as the right stuff. You ever see the right stuff? Oh no, Jesus! It's have. about no, the no. it's about space travel. It's about the early days with like. Uh, I don't remember the guy's names, but it was like done in the early '80s, and it was like fucking five out four or five hours long. And it was about the space. Oh. It was Chuck Yeager and all these guys, and they're break. Oh my god, that might be one of the great movies of all time. The right stuff. Hmm. You never heard about hmm. that? No, I've, I've heard oh, it. But god damn, it. that is. If you want like the Top Gun, like shows you all the intricate details of all this military bullshit. If you want to really get into it, go. The right stuff is all about the early days of of space travel. It was pretty cool. I think mm. it's been God four years since I saw. It. I'm just thinking back to the last time I watched Top Gun. It's been about four or five years ago, 
And I was I remember now why I don't like it because Tom Cruise's character is just like a fucking arrogant prick through the whole thing. And then yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yes, then his yeah, friend yeah. dies, which is a huge bummer, and he goes through this like PTSD kind of situation, and then like all the shit starts going down and he comes back. And he, he didn't finish school, but he gets this like honorary I don't know, like a certificate for finishing or top gun or whatever the fuck. I'm just like he yeah. he's still top a gun. fucking asshole. <laughs> You, you know why Sorry. i know why you don't i know why you don't like i know i know you don't like him because he got through with his talent and he didn't put the, enough time in and he didn't do the rules correctly and i think that that bothers you right like he's not know, he didn't he didn't go by the rules he didn't do what he's supposed to do and he made it happen anyway uh, that you I, you like mm. the rules to a certain degree that's what yeah, it is maybe. probably because you're mad about but it. He's still, he's still, he's same still that dickhead the, in the second. Same one. thing with the <laughs> same thing with the the campfire yeah. guys. They're not going by the rules, right? You don't sure. like them either. Yeah, well, and that's the funny fuck thing. Tom, go, Tom, like, go, Tom, Tom Cruise, fuck that guy. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Cruise. You imagine yeah, fuck Tom, Tom Hanks Tom, played that. Don't, Tom don't Hanks diss too. Dom, Tom Hanks. Fuck Tom, Tom Hanks too. Fuck him. Great. I love him. Yeah, I know. That's why you don't like Maverick is because he did it. He did it on his own. and He didn't like toe the line. I think you. I think you want. He's to literally a maverick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah that's it's, right. It's in the name. Yeah. Okay, let's call it a day. Again, thank you all for listening. Um, same time, same place next week. Bye for now. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.